back and don't miss uh, that series tonight. Acts chapter number 6, and let's begin reading please in verse number 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. I'm interested in verse number 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. The church is growing here, we find in the book of Acts. It is growing in a wonderful rate. One man said around possibly 20,000 members at the church of Jerusalem at this time in the book of Acts. And so we find there is a stated problem in verse number 1. Because of the growth and because of the multiplying number, the Bible said that there was some murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. The word ministration there is talking about the feeding, the serving, the taking care of the widows. We know according to 1 Timothy chapter number 5 that Paul reminds Timothy that the church is to look after the widows. And if they have a need, uh, they are to try to fulfill it. And I still do believe that a widow indeed, she don't have a family or anything like that. Uh, The church is to look after them. And and all the widows in our church has family. We still like to try to be a blessing to them when we can. If we know they have a need, God God will bless you for being good to a widow. But these widows were being neglected because things have grown. By the way, growth is a good thing. But sometimes there are what you call growing pains. And this was a situation here in the book of Acts. So there is a stated problem in verse 1, but there is a solution prescribed in verse 2 and 3. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. And this is contrary to popular opinion, but it ain't the preacher's job uh, to do everything in the church. Amen? We're in this thing together. We are laborers together with God. The apostles said, we're, we're trying to study the Word of God. We're trying to preach. We're trying to labor. And we're, we're getting, uh, not saying this was a bad thing, but it wasn't necessarily uh, their job, their calling to to deal with all those things. I think a pastor ought to visit. He ought to pray with folks. He ought to try to help folks. But the primary job of a pastor is found in verse number 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. I tell you, there's a lot of churches that are without pastors and things of that nature. And they'll go looking for somebody uh, to bury the sick and marry the foolish. Amen. Or, or bury the dead, not bury the sick. I guess, well, it depends on where how sick they are, I guess. Amen. Bury the dead and bury the foolish. Amen. And that's all they want. But they don't want a man of God that will pray and preach the Word of God. And, and I think a good pastor ought to care for his folks. Amen. Look after the flock. But when it got to this point, the apostle said it's getting, it's getting to be too much. We need some help. It would be good if a lot of preachers would learn they need some help. You ain't no S on my chest. I ain't Superman. Uh, we have to have some help in this. And so here's what the Lord uh, allowed these men to do. He said, look among you for seven men 
of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who may appoint over this business. That is the specific purpose. They find some men that you can delegate some help to. It's interesting in the book of Exodus uh, that Moses' father-in-law told Moses, he said, you're going to wear yourself out trying to handle all these people's problems. You need to have some help. And the Lord allowed Moses to uh, have some help and have some assistance in that. Now, some people say that these men in Acts 6 are the first deacons. I won't argue with that. The only problem I have with that is the word deacon is not in the text. That's the only problem. I, I wouldn't fight with nobody over that. It, it, you can make the argument that they are serving as deacons, so I wouldn't fight over that. But I think sometimes as, as believers we'll say, well, that's just the deacons, so that's not our job. But you know, the Lord said, Look among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who we may appoint over this business. In other words, the Lord and these men, these apostles said, We need some good men that we can trust in the church to help take some load off the pastor, take some load off the apostles, and that will labor in the church. Whether these men are deacons, we won't fight over that or argue over that. But here's my point. These men were in the church, and they were available to serve in the church. I want to preach on this thought this morning. The kind of men that we need in our church. The kind of men that we need in our church. The reason I'm not going to explicitly say that these men are deacons is because I don't want any of our men to think, well, I'm not a deacon, so none of this applies to me. No, the principles that I'll preach this morning out of this text apply to all the men and really apply to everybody here in the service today. We need some people that will get involved in the work of God. Now, there are seven men that are listed in verse number 5. We, of course, know Stephen, and we know a little bit about Philip. The other five men we do not know how much about, but we do know how they were involved in the church. I want to specifically look at Stephen this morning, and I want to take Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter number 7 and look at the life of this man, Stephen. And in his life, men, we find a great example of the kind of men that we ought to be in the local church. By the way, we do need some men in the church, amen, a man that will stand and do what's right and honor God and love the Lord and lead their families in the way the Word of God declares. I tell you, the, the, one man said if you let a man eat lion go in America, he'd starve to death. There's not many men left anymore. And I ain't talking about that you grunt, you, you carry your knuckles, drag your knuckles on the ground, carry a stick, hitting people. I'm just talking about a man of integrity, men of character, men of honor, men of valor, amen. I'm afraid that we are living in a day and age where they want to uh, lessen the idea of being a man, but it's still right, amen. I somewhere the other day, and I, was per- I think I told this, I'm sounding like an old person, I'm repeating myself all the time, uh, but I've only lived once, so I only have so many life experiences to tell you about. But I went in somewhere to buy something, and, and uh, the guy asked me, are you in the military, are you a policeman? I said, well, no, I'm actually a preacher. And he said, oh, well, that, that haircut, I thought you was policeman or military. I said, no, I just like looking like a man. Amen. I, and, and the sad, uh, people don't want to look like a man. They don't want to walk like a man, dress like a man. I, I'm not saying you got to wear overalls. I wish I could. My wife won't let me. I ain't henpecked, though. Uh, but I'm just going to do what she says. Uh, but what I'm saying this morning is, is we need some men that'll that'll be men for God. Sometimes we think that a man of God just has to be a pastor. And certainly that is one of the titles. But you know, you could be a man of God 
and not be a preacher, not be a pastor, but just be a man who saved and loved God. You can be a man for God. I want to say three things about Stephen. And, and ladies, this applies to you as well. These are good principles in Stephen's life that we can apply to all. Three things about Stephen. Number one, Stephen was, and it's, 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 it's just fitting uh, that I'm preaching on Stephen today. Stephen shows up for Lee, uh, Eve. Amen. That just all worked out. Amen. Uh, but notice, I, I, I hope I don't preach on Judas next week or we'll really be in trouble. Amen. That would be weird, wouldn't it? All right. Three things about Stephen we're going to eat. Number one, Stephen was spiritual in his walk with God. He was spiritual in his walk with God. There are several things here in Acts chapter number 6 uh, that we learn about Stephen uh, that we need as men and you ladies need in your life. Number one, he was saved. Look at verse number 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you. In other words, look out in the church. Look at those who have been saved and added to the church to find this man, to find these men. Oh, that will be a blessing and be a help. Amen. I want to remind us once again, it's not by, by our raising. It's not by church membership. It's not by water baptism. It's not by what you do or what you don't do. It is based on your relationship with Jesus Christ. You'd be amazed if we just take a poll of the people gathered in this church today and we just ask them, oh, what does it take to get to heaven when you die? It'd be amazing in a good Bible preaching church like this one how many different answers we'd get. Somebody said, well, y'all love the Lord. That's how you'll get to heaven. I believe y'all love the Lord. That's not how you get to heaven. Well, I think y'all be a good person. You'll get to heaven. I believe y'all be a good person. But that's not how you get to heaven. The only way you get to heaven is by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Hey, daddies. Hey, men. How do we expect to lead our families in spiritual matters when we're not even sure we're saved? You better have that nailed down. You better know for sure that you are saved. Not that you're a church member. Not that you've been dunked in the baptistry. Not that your name is on multiple church rolls. But I'm talking about the fact that you know how that you have been born again. How that you've been saved by the grace of God. We need some men that know they're saved. He was saved. But watch this in verse 3. He was separated. Look ye out among you seven men, watch this now, of honest report. This speaks of something that is lacking in the world today. It's speaking of the fact these men had character and integrity. Boy, ain't we missing that? Character and integrity. I mean, it used to mean something. Uh, years ago, my dad bought a piece of land uh, from an old country fellow in Tennessee. And you know what that man's, they had papers signed up. But you know what that man's bond was? He shook my daddy's hand. That's what he, my daddy bought that land on. They eventually went and drew up some papers just, just to appease the county. Uh, but as far as that man was concerned, that land was sold uh, when he shook my daddy's hand. Oh, we're living a day now. You can have you can have all the paperwork, everything lined up, everything done legal, and they'll still rob you blind. You know why? Because people don't have integrity. People don't have character. Uh, people don't have honesty anymore. And sadly, that is snuck in our churches. That is snuck in the fact uh, that people are not honest in their dealings. They're not honest before the Lord. Hey, I tell you, we need some men in the church that will have some integrity, have some character, and they'll be separated. Hey, not that we're better than anybody else, uh, but the word, not that we're a step above anybody else, but we ought to live a step above the world. Amen. We ought not laugh at the dirty jokes. Uh, we ought not 
not watch the filthy movies. We ought not listen to anybody listen to me. We ought not listen to the wicked music. We ought to be separated. We ought to be different from this world. Amen. He was saved. He was separated. Verse 3, he was spirit-filled. Look yet among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. One writer said, and I thought, I love what he said about this. He said that being full of the Holy Ghost meant that the Spirit of God had control of every area of his life. Are you spirit-filled this morning? Does the Spirit of God have full control of every area of your life? That's what the Spirit-filled life is. By the way, the Spirit-filled life is not a suggestion. It is a command. Ephesians 5.18, Be not drunk with wine, where it's excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. We need some Spirit-filled men. Hey, man, if He's controlling us, He's going to control what we watch. He's going to control what we listen to. Amen. He's going to control what we say. He's going to control how we respond. Amen. I tell you, it's a, it's a sad day. Most men are, are perverts and most men are wicked now. But wouldn't it be a blessing of God raise up some men around here that were honorable men, men of integrity, men of character, uh, men that love God, men that love their family, men that love their church, men that love their country, uh, men that love the Bible. I tell you, that's what we need. We need some spirit. Spirit-filled men. Amen. By the way, being a Spirit-filled man, being a man, don't mean you don't cry either. For the Lord Jesus Christ was the greatest man that ever lived, and He wept at the tomb of Lazarus. I'm not talking about being stoned. I'm not talking about being a jerk for Jesus. I'm talking about having the touch of God and the Spirit of God and the touch of God on your life. But we're missing that in this day. We've got grown men still playing video games. Amen. Grown men. I'm talking about men that have wives and kids. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody here. If it was, I still would preach on it. Uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't bother me one bit. I'm not talking about sitting down uh, like I'll do with Dax every once in a while and play a little bit of his video game with him occasionally. I'm talking about men. They bought all the stuff for them. They got the little headset and they're playing the little Call of Duty games with their with their buddies you know, on your left while they're eating their Kraft Mac and Cheese at 2 in the morning. I tell you, that, that's foolish. Paul said when I know the context, but Paul said when he became a man, he put away childish things. Amen. There comes a time when you have to quit being a youngin' and yet to grow up and be a man. I'm going to tell you why we have so many young people in the day and age we're living in uh, that's getting, that's ruining their lives and wrecking their lives because uh, mom and daddy never grew up. Mom and daddy never became an adult. Mom and dad never laid aside the foolishness and took responsibility. Hey, there's a lot of things I'd like to do, but I don't do them. Why? i got a family now. Amen. You don't need a boy's night out. Amen. You don't need a girl's night out, ladies. <laughs> Guys, you really don't need a girl's night out either. Amen. Great example of a bad idea. I'm not talking about uh, the ladies having a fellowship or the men. Uh, we're going to start, I just made a decision, we're going to start going to eat once a month somewhere and Brother Richie's going to buy. Amen. Ain't that going to be a blessing? Uh, but when I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about every night you got to go hang out with the boys or you got to go hang out. Hey, I tell you, that, that gave up when you said I do. Amen. I tell you, boy, that didn't that went over like a lead balloon. Amen. I'm just telling you this morning, we need some men of that are spirit filled. He was also seasoned. The Bible said he is full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Did you know you don't have to be old to have wisdom? 
The Bible said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. You fear God, you'll have some wisdom. You have respect and reverence for God, you have some wisdom. One man said that knowledge is the ability how to take things apart, but wisdom is the ability to put things back together. You know, we laugh about our administration. He's talking about putting braces on guns and making them assault. What is, he don't even know what he's talking about. Bless his heart. I'm talking about the president. I mean, he can't walk across the stage. We laugh at that, but it's sad that that's the best that America... God's always given leadership to the nation based on the heart of the nation. I think He gave us leadership based on the brains of the nation. Amen. Where we're living at... I mean, I mean, whether you like whether you like Reagan, Eisenhower, uh, John Kennedy, whatever you like, those guys, there was something different about that generation. There's something different about those guys. Amen. There's something different. I'm talking about being a man standing up for truth. Now we've got a day and age where if somebody's breaking in the house, the ladies are going to see what it is while the men are hiding in the bedroom. Now I do that, but I'm the man of God and I pray. My like, honey, you go check that out. I'm the man of God. I'll pray. I'm going to pray a hedge protection around you, whatever that means. <laughs> no, uh, but it, uh, it's a sad day. Uh, but now, they said now in the military that they, uh, 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 preached at the Body Men Conference guy a few years ago, said now when these, these guys step off the bus, they have stress cards. And if a guy, if the DI is giving him too much trouble, he can pull out a stress card. <laughs> Amen. That's where we're living at. I, 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 that's what the man. That's what the man said. I, I'm just telling you, we're just living in a, a sad day. But wouldn't it be good if we had some men uh, that were men for God and stood for right and had some wisdom? He was seasoned. He was spirit filled. He was saved. Look on in the text. Watching verse number. Let's see here. Verse number three. He was a servant, whom we may appoint over this business. He was willing to serve. He was willing to do what nobody else wanted to do. He was willing to go and help widows out and make sure they had food on their table. That ain't a, that ain't a, uh, you know, a fancy job. But you know what a man does? A man does what needs to be done. That's the application. A man sees that need. Hey, fellas, can I help you out with something? And I appreciate all the men of our church. And I appreciate it. And unless it's real expensive, if you see something needs to be fixed, you don't have to tell me. Just go fix it. You can tell me later, amen. You don't have to get my approval to fix a toilet or, or, or to patch a, or, or to do something or pick up trash or kill some weeds, amen. A man just, I'm, now, if there's something like a major thousand dollar thing, come talk to me, okay? Uh, but I'm talking about if it needs to be done, just go do it. You know what men do? They see a need and they feel that need. Amen. You don't need somebody to tell you to pick up trash out of the yard. You don't need somebody to tell you if the bathroom's out of toilet paper. You can go find toilet paper and put it in there. Amen. You don't need somebody. Amen. You don't need somebody to tell you to throw away the donut box. (laughs) Amen. That's right. Amen. Amen. You don't need somebody to tell you to throw away your coffee cup. Amen. Where you see it, you do it. It's called personal responsibility. I'd hate to see what some people's houses look like. Amen. Amen. I'm just telling you this morning that this man, he was a servant. He was also steadfast. Look at verse number 8. And Stephen was full of faith and power. He was steadfast, meaning he wasn't half in, he wasn't half out. He was a faithful man. The Bible said it's required in stewards. And, and I know it counts for ladies too. But it's said Paul said that a man be found faithful. Confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. 
You know what a broken tooth and foot out of joint? That ain't useful to nobody. And this man also, he had signs, verse number 8, and did great wonders and miracles among the people. Now, man, I'm not preaching to you that you need to go out and do signs and wonders. All right? We're in the book of Acts. All right? This is transitional. All right? We're not talking about D.R. Harrison stuff here, okay? We're not talking about signs and wonders, all right? We're talking about this is a transitional period in the book of Acts. This is a time uh, when the Word of God was not complete and God was using those signs and wonders to prove that the Jews would understand that. Here's the application, though. They could tell there was something different about Stephen. Can anybody tell us anything different about you? In the life that you live, on the job, where you go. Can anybody tell us a difference? I'm telling you too, ladies. Can anybody tell us a difference? Do you have a testimony? Stephen did. He was spiritual in his walk with God. Number two, he was a student of the Word of God. And, and, I, and I've got a lot of scriptures here, and we're going to try to move along for sake of time. But there is a disputing in verse number 9. There arose a certain of the synagogue uh, of the Libertarians and, and the Syrians and the Alexandrians of them of Sicilia and of Asia disputing with Stephen. The word disputing means to ask a question, but in the context not for information but for aggravation. They didn't like what Stephen and these apostles were declaring. They did not like the message of Jesus Christ. And so they rose up to dispute and fight against Stephen. There was difficulty in verse 10. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. You know what they did? They couldn't, they couldn't even argue with him because he had such the right spirit and right wisdom about him. There's a deception. You know what they had to do in verse 11? They suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and called him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses and said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and of the law. For we have heard him say that for this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him and saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. You know what they had to do? This man had such character, they had to make up lies and hire people to lie on him. Wouldn't that be good to have that said, that they couldn't find anything wrong with our character, fellas, that people had to go lie on us to get something on us? That's what they had to do to the Lord Jesus. They got false witnesses. Note his disposition. But when they done that, watch what Stephen did. He saw, verse 15, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Another proof text that angels are not females in the Bible. You know what they said? Boy, he's got a good disposition about him. Even when he was attacked, he kept the right spirit and the right attitude. Do you, do you fly off the handles, fellas? The answer is yes, because all of us do. You too, ladies. That's why, that's why us men has mean knots on our head. I tell you, can you control your spirit? Can you control your anger? Can you control that wrath? Amen. Stephen did. Even when he was attacked and lied on, he still had the proper spirit. Why? Because he was filled with the Spirit of God. Being filled with the Spirit of God will fix a lot of problems we have in this flesh, won't it? Notice his declaration. Acts chapter 7, verses 1 through 53. I'm not going to preach all these verses. But I'll tell you what Stephen is doing in these verses. He is giving a rundown of Old Testament history before these men. They have asked him. They, have, they are disputing. You know what Stephen does? Stephen does? He said, all right, let's go back to Moses then. 
He talks about the choice of Abraham, Abraham rather. He talks about the choice of Abraham in verses 2 through 8, the conquest of Joseph, verses 9 through 17, the captivity of Israel in Egypt in verse 18 and 19, the calling of Moses in verse 20 through verses 35, the coming out of Egypt and the crossing of the Red Sea in verse number 36, the circling in the wilderness for 40 years, verse 36 through 38, the carnality of Israel when they made the golden calf and began to worship and idolatry in verses 39 through 43, all the way to the construction of Solomon's temple in verses 44 through 50. So I said, preacher, what's the big deal with all that? Stephen knew his Bible. He knew what he had. He had the Old Testament. He knew what he had, though. Do you know your Bible? Do you know your Bible that good that if somebody... I'm not talking about if they asked you where Cain get his wife or if Adam had a belly button. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about when they asked you, well, how does a person know they're going to go to heaven when they die? Can you give them an answer? Do you know your Bible well enough? Notice his directness. He looked at him in Acts 7, verse 51. He said, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hardened ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. He said, You're just like your mom and daddy's were. He was direct. Do you know your Bible? Do you know your Bible where you can speak with confidence? Here's what Peter said. We ought to be ready to always give an answer as to the hope that lieth in us. 39% of men said they do not read their Bible on their own. 39% of men. Currently, only 10% of Americans reporting report reading their Bible every day. You know why there's so much ignorance, religious ignorance in this world today? They don't, people don't read the Bible. And, and I don't expect a lost man, Brother Gene, to read the Bible, but I expect a saved man to. I don't expect the world, uh, Brother David, to read the Bible, but I expect somebody to say they're saved, they ought to read the Word of God every day. How much should I read? I ain't going to tell you how much you should read. You should read to the Lord told you to quit reading. Some of it might be a chapter. Some of it might be a couple chapters. But you need to be reading something. Every single day. Preach, I don't like to read. You're a liar. Because you read Facebook. You know what Facebook is? It's a collection of words. Statuses. That's reading. You read stop signs. Amen. You read the menu at the restaurant. You like to read. Woo, I hit a snag right there. Looking at, uh, amen, looking at me too. I like to read the menu at the restaurant too. Somebody help me. But do we read the Word of God? Amen, ladies. Do you read the Word of God? Stephen was spiritual in his walk with God, but Stephen was a student of the Word of God. You know why so many people are so deceived by what they hear on TV and what they see on Facebook? Because they don't read that book. Bible reading fixes a lot of problems. Amen. I like the fact when I know... So, you know why I like doing Bible questions? It lets me know who reads the Bible in the church and who don't read the Bible in the church. There are some questions we've been asked. I know they had to have been reading to come up with that question. Amen. Why does it get so quiet when I preach on that? Just imagine how quiet it would be if I preached on prayer. Because those of us that know how to read the, are good at reading the Bible, we struggle with praying, don't we? Hello. Amen. About fell right there. What I'm saying this morning, Stephen was the type of man that was spiritual in his walk with God. 
And he was a student of the Word of God. But last of all, he was submitted to the will of God. Watch, watch this in Acts 7. Look, look at verse 54. There's the severe persecution when they heard these things. When Stephen declared the Word of God and applied it to them and directed said, you're just like the generation of your fathers. They were cut to the heart and gnashed on him with their teeth. Notice this, the saints' perception, verse 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. You know what a good man does? Hey, fellas, you listen to him. You know what a man does? He don't focus on the things of this world. He's got his eyes on the other world. People... I mean, people, and not just men, people are so driven by what they see and what they hear, tears their nerves up. You know how you can scroll through Facebook on videos, and if you watch one video from one page, it'll bring up more suggestions for those video, those type of videos later? One day, I watched a, a video that was the nightly news report, the ABC, whatever, David Muir, whoever that is, and, and I just watched one video. Now the videos are popping up. I'm having to block the page because everything they have, bad news. A dad up in Ohio, June the 15th, this week, lined up three kids in the yard, shot them execution style, and then shot their mama. And then sitting there on the porch like nothing's wrong. Ain't you tired of hearing that stuff? The, the goofiness of our government from, from Salisbury to Raleigh, to D.C., to the U.N., whatever that is, getting ready for the one world government, all that stuff. Just, and, and people are so consumed with that. But you know what a man does? A man just looks up. That's what Stephen did. I mean, they're getting ready. If you're fixing to throw something at me, I'm going to be looking that direction. They're fixing to stone Stephen. Stephen just looking up. Where's your perception? Notice the stoning pronounced, verse 57, 58. They cried with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran upon one accord. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. The sincere prayer, verse 59. And they stoned Stephen, call upon God. Watch, watch Stephen's prayer. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. You know how he died? He died like Jesus did. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Stephen said, Lord, don't lay this sin to their charge. And he had sweet peace, verse 60. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. One fellow said they rocked Stephen asleep. Stephen was the first martyr in Christian history to die for the cause of the gospel. But his death was not in vain. I read by it quickly on purpose, but the Bible said they took their coats off and they laid them at a young man's feet named Saul. And you read, you read Acts 22, and we'll get there eventually, but, Steve, but Paul recounts that. He recounts that day. We know Paul don't get saved to Acts 9, but I think God started working on him in Acts 7. When he saw that, when he saw that man who, who wasn't anybody special, he's just a man serving tables. But he saw that man willing to stand for truth and kneeled down and went to sleep. 
Can you imagine Saul going home that night, trying to get that out of his mind, getting paper? And by the way, it caught up with him on the Damascus Road. But here's my point. Fellas, you better live a life for God because you never know who's watching. Stephen didn't know Saul. It is believed that possibly Saul was one of the ones that disputed with Stephen in Acts 6 because he was of these synagogues. Ain't that amazing? I got a, I got a little nugget I want to throw out, but I don't know if it's true. But I'll tell you what some writers believe. Some writers believe that the book... You know, everybody's arguing. Who wrote Hebrews? Who wrote Hebrews? Who wrote Hebrews? Everybody wants to argue about who wrote Hebrews. People, did Paul write it? Did, who wrote it? I'll tell you what I read one man said. One man said that he believes that Hebrews was a sermon that Stephen preached. And that Paul recounted it and wrote it down. That's why it looks so Pauline. And then Paul wrote the last chapter to conclude it. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just saying that's what that writer said. I'm not saying I believe that. But wouldn't that be something? Oh, Paul, remember the sermon? Because Hebrews reads like a sermon. God, who in sundry times and divers manners hath revealed. And it goes on and on and on. By faith, Noah went in. Amen. By faith, Enoch walked with God. He was not for God. And on and on and on. I don't know if that's the case. But I do know this. Stephen made an impact on Saul's life, on Paul's life. Is your life touching anybody else's life? As far as we know, Saul died, Saul, uh, Stephen dies in Acts 7. Paul don't get saved in Acts 9. But I believe because his testimony, because his consistency, and because he stood, and because he was the, a man for God, I believe it made an impact on Paul's life. The Apostle Paul. I'll tell you, this is the kind of men we need in our church. The kind of ladies we need in our church. People that are spiritual in their walk with God. That are students of the Word of God. Amen. I, I, I thank God for this church. We do have some good Bible students here. I mean that. I mean, you ask good questions. We have good... And you know what I'm talking about when I'm preaching? I could preach on some things that I, I have here. And you're like, ah, what is he talking about? But I'm glad you know what a millennial reign is. Uh, we may not know everything about it, but we know a little bit about it is. We, we know the difference uh, between the kingdom of God and we, the kingdom of heaven. We, we preach on You can receive truth. But I don't mean everybody in here is a student. Amen. And he was submitted to the will of God. We don't see Stephen fighting back and saying, I don't want to die this way. Stephen said, Lord, I'm submitted. That's how we all live our life. Let's stand. I preached 34 minutes. The kind of men we need in our church. Men that are spiritual in their walk with God, students of the Word of God, and submitted to the will of God. This applies to everybody in this congregation this morning. The kind of people that we need in our church. Will you be one of those this morning? Will you be